HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, 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 thanks to Good Beer Passport for supporting Heritage Radio Network. Get your Good Beer Passport now to explore some of New York's best craft beers. Learn more at goodpassports.com, a supporter of New York City's July Good Beer Month. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's June 13th, 2017, and we got the New York City beer reps in the house. All right. Everybody, hello. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Let's do that again. We've got the New York City beer reps in the house. What's up, man? What's going on? Hello. All right. Hey, yo. And uh, it's officially hot today, and it's time for summer brews, so we've got a lot to talk about today at Heritage Radio Network. You know, cut to the chase. Caitlin from Long Island City Beer Project, you are on a few weeks ago, and we talked about a, a show idea, and you said, what, we should have a show about? Beer reps. Beer reps. So who did you bring in today? Uh, I have my coworker, Tom. I have Jay from Innerborough. And then we have the ski rep. Keith from uh, SKI Beer Distributors. SKI. Let's talk into it, yeah. Yeah, Keith from uh, SKI Beer Distributors. And our new buddy. Uh, Johnny Compton with uh, Highway Manor Brewing Company. Yeah. So, you know, it's time to talk about things that you guys do every day and week to week, selling beer. And uh, it's neat because you're all pretty different breweries and unique breweries. We'll get to taste your beer on the show. And uh, Jay, you know, you are our senior guest. <laughs> You've been on the show many times over the years. You've worked with great brands from Carton and uh, so many others. And now you're, you're the main Interboro. Well, it's been fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me back, Jimmy. Yeah, so tell us what, 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 what we're drinking first so we can get that on the air. First, we're trying from us the Premier IPA. This is a canned item I brought in today. We launched our brewery about 10 months ago, brewery distillery 10 months ago, and on our opening day, we released this beer, and uh, it's a 7% IPA, hazy and juicy with citra, mosaic, and galaxy hops. And this is the double dry hop version of it we released this past Thursday with some uh, mosaic dust in it, you know the kind of hash of uh, hash of hops. So let's start with, with, with Kaylin and 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 Jay. You know, what does it take to sell beer in, in New York City? Like, just give us a little bit of background and 
you know, what, what you're up against sometimes? Um, I think for both of us, we work directly for our small breweries. So not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it, we do have to compete with distributors. And, um, yeah, it can be a little tough sometimes, but I think you have a good product. That's where you got to start. Good product. Dealing with nice people. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Jay, you, you, you've been selling beer for how many years in New York? Fifteen years, um, twelve, I think. Twelve so far. Yeah, it's been a fun run. You know your stuff, everybody. And Thomas, too. So Thomas from LIC Beer Project, tell us about what you, what you've been up yeah, to. Yeah, um, so Caitlin's Brooklyn Queens. I'm uh, Manhattan. So stomping around the streets trying to sell beer. Um, yeah, start with good beer. Uh, convince people who. You, but you know, with so so many new breweries, I get emails every week, and you guys send out great ones, and. There comes a time when I don't really know what what they are, what they're going to be like. And you gave me a tasting recently. Sure. It's like what's your what's your approach to an account like like me when I say I need I can't figure out what beers you have and I want to taste. Them. Yeah. Um, so we uh, primarily focus on farmhouse beer saison. So it's carved out a bit of a niche. So um, going into a place like yours where or any bar really where it's IPA heavy, it's pretty easy to sell somebody on a nice um, you know mixed fermentation saison or. Uh, clean saison in that matter so just figuring out what's on and what you know where we can direct the sales call and, and see what people need um yeah so and jay do you find that there's an instant demand for all your new beers uh i think there's a general mix of things um i think there were right when we opened there were a lot of curiosity seekers because uh we are Local, and I think there are a lot of people that are interested in locally based products. But then, um, from the beers that have been released thus far, I feel like we have put out a lot of IPAs. And there's, you know, I think we're, we're focused in on a lot of like double IPAs, and we also have done stuff that's more like six to seven percent, which I think is kind of the sweet spot for drinking. But then we've done session IPAs, and then we've made other things like we've put out a lot of Pilsner. And we've done dark beers when the weather was cooler, and we've done saison, and we want to make sure we have a range of things to offer, but also, uh, you know, there, there is a big demand for IPA, and uh, our brewer Jesse is uh, really well putting putting together some great beers, and um, you know, they're they're meant to be drank fresh, and so getting those out the door quickly, I think, is part of it. I'll tell you, fresh good beer, I want that more than ever this weekend. Yeah. I'm not, I don't say what I was doing, but I was at a festival. And they only had they had a, a, an okay German pills, and they had like an AB Belgian pills, and I was so bummed because I just wanted some good <laughs> beer, you know, when I was out. And then Keith, you guys, SKI, so you know, you, you just recently launched Highway Manor, and, and uh, Johnny, we had you at Jimmy's Number Forty Three a few weeks ago. You know, what's it like for you guys? You're, you're actually you're always pushing a new brand. I mean, it, it's it's really a whole separate store. We just have a very large portfolio, and it's. We have to make an honest attempt to cover all of our brands and push as much as we can. We have our craft brands. We have our larger brands. And it's a matter of, honestly, on our side, numbers. Uh, We need to sell as much beer as we can. So certain breweries we can sell more beer of. So it's it's a bit more of a numbers game. I, I don't like to say it's a little less focused on the actual taste itself. Obviously, I like to sell what I like to drink. However, it's a bit less focused than... The reps um, like these guys here who focus on their specific brand and can really focus on exactly what they're what they're selling, what they're making, and, and give give true focus to those beers. And Johnny, how did you approach? You know, you, you came to New York City. You're in Pennsylvania. And how did you approach launching your brand here? Some of the events you did. Well, this is um, great, Jay. I love this beer. 
into brewing? I've been brewing uh, beer for about 17 years and then sour beer for about the last seven or eight. And uh, it's been a passion project that didn't really get legs, to say. Um, for a while, I had my entrepreneurial nuts kicked in in that I lost... Uh, <laughs> I lost the family steel business and then had to kind of get, get my feet back underneath me. And it took a while to get traction. Went through divorce the same week, too. So get traction back in my own life. And in doing that, I ended Cut up... Got out of uh, steel at the right time? <laughs> That's dumb. I got in it at the wrong time? Oh, yeah? Now things are... I mean, I'm not... What's a family steel like, business? What does that mean? We're still in it. We're still, we're still walking the steel, but we used to fabricate the iron. So uh, we did everything from miscellaneous to structural steel, and we did a... Um, you know, large skyscrapers anywhere we could, and we had a twenty ton a day of steel and seventy employees, and I had a lot of work going on. That sales is what I did best, in that I had a you know you bid the work and then you get the meetings, and then making a two point seven million dollars sale versus a hundred ten dollar keg, <laughs> where I'm at now is a night and day difference, and the, and the high fives aren't quite as hard as they used to be. I'll just put it that way. Um, but getting into beer, back to beer. I, I realized I had a niche in the sour thing, and I, and I had a savant feel to what I was doing. So people were really encouraging me, especially in this market in New York, because I, I went around with a homebrew cooler when I was in my uh, entrepreneurial nutless phase with a homebrew cooler just kind of saying to people, like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? What do you think of that? And just testing the market to see where sours were going. And then in the last, what, 18, 20 months, there's been a resurgence where sours has become, like, the new thing everybody's after, the kettle the kettle thing happened to me. I didn't see that coming. And so I, I went from the original business model was just me making these really incredible beers at my house by myself and putting them into like boutique shops and making enough money to just keep my mortgage and real simple to we moved to a production facility. Um, we're doing production only. We, we do uh, 10 barrel batches. We have, you know, I forget how many oak barrels. We have blending tanks. We have a Solera project. We have, we have a whole lot more layers to the onion than I ever planned on producing and in doing that you know you take on more responsibility in the sales end and then without sales you don't have a business so being a business owner and realizing that you know i've i've uh, hired a sales guy we had a falling out after a little bit so i ended up uh bringing a brewer in someone to make the warden keep up with the cultures and everything like that and i hit the street so i started that in about october i'd done sales and training him up until then but in october it became kind of my full-time gig we launched New York City in December. Um, we self-distributed it in, in Philadelphia until December as well. So we didn't get any distribution deals going until December. Uh, working with the distributor has been a blessing. SKI has been amazing for us. But when you're doing it on your own, I have that experience as well, like you guys do, of self-distributed in Philadelphia market, which is a very, very competitive market, um, especially with sour beer. And uh, we've gained a lot of traction. I think what I love to do is let people taste the liquid. So I'm forever pouring beer. I'm, I'm telling my guys, you can't have enough samples. Get people to drink the beer. Get them to taste it. Because we believe in a liquid. We believe what we're doing is, is uh, another layer. It's proprietary yeast. It's a different animal that everybody else is working with. And we want people to try it because you don't know our beers until you have them. So that's Jay's, kind of Jay's nodding over there. There's only one way to know. Yeah. That's to drink it. Well, you can, you can, you know, you can, uh, your eyes can lie, your ears can lie, but your taste can't lie. That's true. Jay, what, when you used to work for this distributed American for years, what were some of the, the new brands that, that you rolled out and... You know, what was your approach to that? Uh, when I started working there, they had just signed uh, Captain Lawrence. Um, they also were dealing with, like, the Shelton Brother portfolio when I started in there. And then we had brands like Avery from Colorado. But then um, over time, 
we signed some companies like uh, Dark Horse and uh, Carton and Grimm and uh, McNeil's from up in Vermont. Yeah, Ray McNeil. Ray McNeil. Did you ever have him in here? We had we had him at one of our beer week events, New York City Brewers. Choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Ray was Ray's great. He's such a character. Um, but yeah, it was it was an interesting um, era, I guess, for uh, for for the beer drinking community because there was a lot of stuff coming online. There, there's a lot of breweries open now in the last say ten years, obviously, but. Um, you know the the landscape here was different. Uh, the distributors, the larger distributors, um, you know, were not vying as hard for smaller brands at the time, and so we were trying to do something, you know, a platform for smaller companies that you know wanted to get access into New York, but also it was hard to go after draft lines at restaurants that were like. There's fine dining out there that like even to this day their wine selection or is very astute and yet they still you know kind of have uh middle of the road stuff while there's you know uh real value and flavor and and um you know the purchasing power of a a restaurant like that it it was just uh you know the world's slowly changing but uh um back then it was a little bit of a different landscape but it was it was new it was newer to a lot of people and i feel like now my opinion is that the consumers are a lot more educated and involved and they're actually chasing it down and they want to know the process and the ingredients going in and everything and so with an educated consumer they're, they're more open-minded and i think also the the other opinion I've, I've kind of developed is that people are looking more at styles and saying i like sour beers you know what i mean and so if they've enjoyed some from some manufacturer they're more open-minded to go try it from somebody else because they know they like the style, much like wine, as opposed to being like, I just like that brand. And I think that's a really good development that's occurred. And what's the next beer you uh, We're trying a beer we just released on Thursday called Louder Than a Bomb. Uh, it's an 8% IPA, and um, we just dropped cans on um, Thursday, and they were actually kegging up the remainder of it to sell this week, so want some, Jimmy? I love it. It's pretty good. All right. I'll send some of your way. So that's on the air. Let's make a toast to everybody. Hey. And then, you know, um, Caitlin and, and Thomas, so you guys at LIC Beer Project, talking about sours and IPAs. You guys make both sours and IPAs. So yeah, like, we what? do. Um, started with uh, a Belgian feel, uh, like I alluded to earlier, um, saisons and wild, wild beers. Um, waited on a on a hop contract that we were kind of working on for a while and secured that so uh i don't know six eight months ago we really started hitting the ipas hard and um that has definitely been paying the bills and it enables us to buy more oak enables us to buy more tanks we just brought in two new 20s that are going to be sour tanks um so the ipas while i love to drink them and they're fun to make um the the wild beers is kind of our focus and we're trying to keep that alive that's great. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio to talk more about the stuff. Cool. All right. Woo. Hey, hey, hey. Good Beer Passport is a supporter of today's show. Get your Good Beer Passport now and you'll be able to enjoy draft beers and flights at some of the city's best bars and breweries all summer long. They're only $37 each and redeemable between July 1st and September 4th. A portion of the proceeds benefit God's Love We Deliver and Heritage Radio Network. That's us. Learn more at goodpassports.com, a supporter of New York City's July Good Beer Month.
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Wow, man. We're talking New York City beer sales. we got reps from Interborough, LIC Beer Project, and Johnny himself from Highway Manor in, in uh, Pennsylvania. So, Kaylee just asked a good question. Um, you know, the fun part of, of all the, these new beers are the names. So, what, what was your question for Jay? About the inner oh, beer. I was asking where it came from because I usually know where Jesse gets his names Jesse from. Jesse names a lot of these beers from hip hop lyrics because he helped run a, um, a record label called Definitive Jux um, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so he lifts lyrics sometimes, not song titles or you know album titles, but he's, he like, kind of pulls them out. Um, I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. Give me five minutes and I'll tell you. <laughs> it's probably slacked on our internal. I'm going to say it's a Smith song, Louder Than Bomb. Is kind of what it's based on, based on my knowledge of Morrissey, but I could be wrong. Well, they're usually. <laughs> that's louder so. than bombs. This is louder the, than a bomb. When, you, when you're Sorry, selling no, beer, different. <laughs> Wait, hold anything, on. anything Come works. On. Anything works. Anything works. <laughs> but when you're selling beer, do people ask you these questions, or is this Caitlin just a genius? She's she, well, she's a big hip hop fan herself. So like, I am. Yeah, she knew all the stuff that uh, Def Jux put out before. I I ran a record label, and so I used to buy. We used to carry those. A record store, excuse me, and then we used to carry those records, and so I bought some of them. We were listening to some of that stuff today. We were listening to Cannibal Ox, uh, awesome. Oxtrumentals in the tasting yeah. room while we're treating it like our office. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a lyric from somewhere I can go. I don't know where it is right now. I'm sorry. That's good. And what, about, what are some of the names for Long Island City Beer Project beers? So a lot of our names are like Odes to Street Art. Um, Dan, the owner, is a big street art fan, big Basquiat fan, so... Samo, Pile of Crowns, those are all Basquiat pieces. Um, Hollows was a, like a graffiti piece with the outline that's, yeah. I remember yeah. Samo. Yeah, Samo's. Yeah. I didn't know that. See, this is what I'm trying to find out about what yeah. you guys are out there. Yeah. So, you're, you're a, so Interbro's identity is based on hip-hop lyrics. Yes. Ours Mon- is A little bit of street, street art. art. And other things, but. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen our cans. Obviously, street art inspired. Um, yeah. Cool. And Thomas? Yeah. Uh, she nailed it. Uh, street art, Queens uh, especially. Uh, Higher Vernon's kind of a flagship IPA for uh, for us, and that's um, five points if you remember the area where uh, – the kind of legal place to tag, world famous. Um, they tore it down, and there was a group that was trying to you know, salvage it, and they called themselves the Institute for Higher Vernon. And so it's kind of our ode to that. Um, and you guys want to, want to pop your next beer? We'll try yeah. that, too. And I, Johnny... I looked it up. It's Public Enemy, just to get it out there. Okay. It's not dismissed. No. <laughs> I, I didn't think Jesse would name a beer after it. Yeah. <laughs> Laura likes the Smiths. So do I. Does that, was that like a bris at a... That was, <laughs> Something I've read about that's not sanitary. The way this guy opened a beer, I don't know. He just put his mouth on the top of the bottle. It's hot out there. Sucked it off. But All right. Thank you, Thomas. Learning things about... So Thomas made one of the finer beer sales presentations to me a month ago. He came in with all these little mini, you know, bottles of, of freshly tapped... I have you know, a whole beers. bag of them right here. Yeah, show us. Tell us what, what your strategy is because it's different. Some people come out with cans. You know, when you're selling beer, Keith. You know, you guys. What, how do you usually sell beer? You have some samples, or you just have cans, or what? I mean, if it if it's you know walking in, sort of unannounced, because normally if it's a sampling, like we would have talked about ahead of time, would have bought specific samples. However, if it's 
more unannounced, I have a just a full brand catalog that we run through all of our breweries. There's a lot to cover, and I want to make sure that none are left unturned, so to speak. So it's more of a walkthrough, and our reps have the knowledge of you know the specific styles and, and beers themselves of each brand, so they can walk through each of them and, and get a feel from the buyers at the specific bars. Everyone is extremely different, so you never know who's going to buy what. So we walk through these catalogs and discern the certain styles and, and what people are interested in from there. So it's more of a, a broad spectrum um, like coverage of, of exactly what we cover and then we try to narrow it down from there. Cause but Thomas, just, so you guys at LIC Beer Project, you, you bring like those little medicinal jars. Yeah, uh, we, we found we have these, you can't see because this is radio, but we have <laughs> these little eight ounce um, kind of they're literally medicine bottles and we buy them from a, a medicine supplier. Um, reason being is they have kind of um, a, a conical cap that holds the carbonation really nicely. Uh, and they're small bottles, so you don't waste a lot of beer. Um, and you can carry a lot of them to account. So, what do you do? You fill them from the. Yeah, right from. The go to the tap room, uh, fill them right from, from the draft lines or from the uh, tanks themselves. Um, so. Yeah, we, uh, a couple we, from we use a, like a counter pressure growler filler at Interboro, and we've been looking for a bottle that has the same threading. You know what I mean to go into the into the the connecting piece. And like uh, Jesse told me that over another half they use uh, these uh, blank barbecue sauce bottles that have the same stuff. So you walk around like with salad dressing bottles, and I was like, "That's cool. <laughs> I would do that." But these are cool. Like oh, I like those a lot. Mesquite IPA. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I use all bottles. Uh, I hate dry, uh, driving in New York City, so I'll uh, in the wintertime I'll wrap my clothes up around Cheers. the bottles, and then I'll have all my laundry and the beers together, and that's that's an easy way. And today I have a cooler with ice because it's summertime, and uh, full of beer, and then I have a backpack with my clothes in it, and just where the world takes me, I end up, and I just keep the bottles with me. And time. I bet you always have beer, Johnny. Always. Do. Yeah. And then, so what what beer is this, uh, Caitlin? <clears throat> This is Fervent. So um, we were talking about sour beer before. We have the first cool ship in New York City. So this beer is um, an open fermented Saison. It was fermented in our cool ship for a week, but we pitched PDO, Lacto, and our house Saison yeast. And then it went into um, Oak Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a year. And then in the bottle. So Thomas, are you the, like... The the heads. What's your structure here? You've like your sales, Caitlin sales. We're She's even. This, it's, oh, you're yeah. my sales manager. It, 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 it doesn't matter. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we do the same thing. We we sell yeah. the beer together. We make decisions together. We name beers together. Uh, it's it's not it's not a very lateral kind of brewery. It's really nice. So there's ten of us, and we kind of all have the same say. So is there ten of us now? Yeah. What do you guys look look for? I don't know if you're hiring anyone, but when, when you hire someone to be a, a salesperson. You know, what are you looking for? What qualities? Personality is everything. Um, believe it or not, salespeople are kind of hard to find. So being able to hold a conversation is <laughs> kind of like square one, and that's kind of hard to find. Um, someone who loves to drink the beer and is passionate about the beer that we make and the vision that, that we're heading uh, is very important. There's only two of us doing um, all this work, and uh, you know, we want to keep it small. That's, that's the idea. And then, Caitlin, some of the other beer reps you mentioned, like Anthony at Other Half, and you brought in Jay from Interboro. You know, what, what are some common themes that you guys have to deal with I think in we, New York City? We all just really love beer. Um, the New York, it's such a fun time to be in the New York City beer community right now. There's so much beer, so much good beer. And there's really, it's a community. It's really, we're all friends. We're not competing. There's a space for all of our beer. Uh, there are certain places that 
certain beers will do better at. And yeah, we're all genuinely a small, very tight knit community. John, I'm looking at John, and he's ready to say something. No, he's not. So I've been in New York uh, with a homebrew cooler for about five years, and I've noticed an explosion in this town. Uh, Philly was light years ahead of you guys back five, six years ago. And there's been a huge explosion in New York City with uh, craft, with uh, different styles, different variants. I mean, it was very much a, a German town, a Pilsner town, a... Uh, you know, and a lot of uh, bars were, you know, whatever. They were just pouring the same thing all the time. And uh, I've seen it. And the, the place I can attribute all this coming from is the same place I come from, which is homebrew. And I see a lot of the breweries now that are starting up, you know, or the homebrewers that I used to know in the homebrew community here in the city. You know, like the KCBC guys and Fifth Hammer with Cusme. And a lot of places that, are, that you know, so I feel like um, it, it's a very organic place for such a big city. It's not coming from without. It's coming from within. Very inspiring. Very cool. I, lo- I love the New York beer scene right now. Really enjoy being here. I think it was really underserviced, though. I mean, this is a huge population that we have here. And the number of local breweries that were existing uh, just... It didn't kind of measure up to a town like Philly, you know what I mean? Or if you look, up, look to the Bo- greater Boston area, there was, like, a lot more breweries and a, a more densely packed uh, number of breweries in, like, a lower population area. And I think there's plenty of room for everybody. Like Caitlin was saying, like, there's so much good beer out there now. I think it, there's room for everybody, basically. It's, it's the big guys that probably going to take the hit, but that's fine. They got their fingers in every pie anyways. <laughs> a lot of breweries don't want to come to New York City because they're afraid they're going to be drunk dry. You know, they're afraid sure. like, they're going to be the big thing. And then, um, and I've seen it. You know, you see a brewery come to town, and all of a sudden they kick up with production, and they disappear from town, and they keep up with their thing. Um, we do production only, so we're able to keep up with demand in all our markets. And some people, you know, once the brand's built somewhere else, they have to keep up with demand in their tasting room. All the beer goes there. That's where the, money, the sexy money is and all yeah. that stuff. So we're, we're really trying to support this market in every market we're in, for sure. And how are you guys at LIC Beer Project? What's your mix between, like, your tasting room and... and- what you're doing wholesale yeah um <clears throat> it's actually more even than we were anticipating we we're kind of figuring we would be more of a production facility and and, and ramp up and whilst we we're still doing that the tap room is is very busy and we're in long island city in queens and very industrial area and uh i would be afraid to walk there at night <laughs> before you know before this brewery popped up but it's amazing i mean the tap room the the, the the dollars that come through the tap room is, is fantastic. And, and that does drive our brand in the city and elsewhere. Um, so it's kind of a, I would say almost like a 50, 50 split at this point. Yeah. So a general question is how do you guys deal with new releases? You know, like so many breweries have, have new beers coming out all the time. You know, how do you do Are you doing pre announcements? Are you doing, you know, pre orders? Yeah. They'll utilize social media. Primarily. I think, um, we're, we're using, uh, Instagram, I think photographs and, Short captions, you know, speak a thousand words more than, um, you know, kind of plastering all over the place. But, you know, it's also user-driven, you know what I mean? Like, the people are anticipating, like, I'm a big grassroots believer myself. So when people come through, they're like, what are you guys going to be doing next? And when they're in our tasting room, we, we tell them what's, what's in the tanks right now. And then they get a notion of when they want to come back. And we'll be like, we'll be releasing that in a couple of weeks. Like, we're canning every two weeks, basically, now. So people kind of know we have a schedule. We're kind of on the same schedule. And uh, what I have noticed, because I work a lot of the releases and they're actually selling the beer, is that when all these New York City breweries have releases, people will drive from long distances and hit all of them. Yeah. So they make a day of it. So it's kind of good for everybody. There's no real competition. Wow, that's cool. I don't release any new products. 
Um, I've been brewing for 17 <laughs> years, so I don't need to learn how to brew in the job anymore. We'd say um, that again one more time, John. I don't release any new products. And we're all supposed to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been brewing for 17 years, so I need to learn how to brew in the job. Um, I believe in the four brands we have and what they can do. Um, we're cross-promoting the blueberry beer with uh, wine bars, and we're cross-promoting the strawberry beer with a cocktail base to try to bring back drinkers from those markets. Um, there's longevity play the Say John, and that we want to educate consumers about sour beer through that like Say John hashtag and like do a Twitter thing. And then the Funky Prowler is its own animal that people aren't really used to a sour style, but once they have it, they don't know what's happening. Um, I'm old school. I've had four brands for like, in the four packs for 15 years from Sierra Nevada and Victory and all these breweries, and, and I think we're creating a four pack that's going to get better and better and better. So we're just working on the four brands. Wow! All right. <laughs> You know, so many uh, you guys keep talking. You guys are awesome. I'm going to read something that's fun. You know, you, we're here to talk a little about jobs. Keith, quickly, you know, you're like a manager yeah. and a distributor. I have, uh, I, have, I have five reps that I oversee um, within southern Manhattan. So I am hitting the streets as, as best as I can, but my job is more so oversight of these reps to make sure that they're, uh, they're on their game. And how do you, how do you keep track of them? Looking at sales numbers, what are things that you say you have to do this? I mean, I am a, a rep at heart myself, so I don't like to necessarily have my nose deep into numbers day after day. But to a certain point, I have to keep up with the amount of you know case equivalents everyone is selling, the amount of distribution points, all that fun stuff. Um, more so, it's just constant communication with the reps and, and being on the ground with them. I, you know, I'm I'm walking door to door with them as often as I can, and frankly, I'm building relationships myself. So it's not as if I'm completely behind the scenes. Uh, my job is to just make sure that we have our reps selling as much of the portfolio as we can in the like distribution world. We need to make sure that, yes, our big brands are the ones that break into these accounts where they need some they're, – they're a bit less focused on the, on the taste or whatever. They just want the best deal or whatever it is. Um, but we wouldn't be as successful if we don't really reach the market with brands like Johnny's, for example. It's a specialty product, yes, but – it can be sold everywhere, and it's just a matter of convincing these people that it can be done. So it's just making sure all my reps walk in every door, more or less, um, whether it's a, a craft beer bar, which, frankly, I think we all like hanging out in. I do personally do, but it's about the Italian place next to it. It's about the Spanish restaurant next to it. You never know who's going to buy what. So I do my best to walk door-to-door with them, but to make sure that everyone is trying to sell as much product as possible and leaving no stones unturned is the gist of, of what I try to do and how I keep myself busy. This is busy a tough show for me. I, I'm trying to get, like, the sales guys are, are good at talking about their brands, and I'm trying to get you guys, like, go deeper and talk a little about your craft. So um, I was trying to focus on jobs in the industry. So here's a, here's a job posting. It came in Facebook today. Um, beer job posting is for the Hudson Valley. Um, if you're, you're up there, up near Hudson, New York, there's a job, and it's from our buddies at the Germantown Beer Farm, home of Hudson Valley Malt. They're looking for an assistant maltster. So this is like a, a entry-level position. There's 26 hours to start. And the job includes, this is like what the other jobs are besides sales, production of malt, monitoring of quality control standards, malt house and hop yard maintenance, and miscellaneous projects. Heavy lifting is required. So, um, you know, you're supposed to go to the Germantown Beer Farm on Facebook, and you can talk to them about it. But, you know, the funny thing, you hear about these, all these jobs in the industry, and... and uh, you know, heavy lifting required. That's uh, 
That tells you something, doesn't it, Keith? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you see it on every single posting everywhere. Everyone has to pick up a keg at a certain point. So. But there are bodies, and if, and if you got a job posting, we're going to start reading them off every week. Because for us, number one, with Beer Sessions Radio, we want to get into the bones of this, of this industry. Well, Jimmy, I hire people, <laughs> and I train people. So when you talk about jobs in the industry, I, I, I um, especially sales, like out here on the street, the one thing you can't train is sales. Um, either you can sell or you can't. Uh, everybody here can obviously sell. That's why we're in this room. Um, but it's it's a, it's a, it's a knack you have to have. When I look into the, how to train someone, how to develop them, I try to get inside their own style, their own personality. Everybody has their own way, you know. And I ride around with uh, SKI reps uh, on a day ba- on a day to day basis when I'm in town. So I get a ton of exposure to different sales techniques, different sales tactics. Um, at the end of the day, it's kind of like slimy and creepy in a way and that you want the end result to be a purchase but you also have to be a real person that they can connect with especially in the beer industry um so you have to have a a multi-layered functionality to you as a human being to where yes you're going to get your results but you're also going to stay true to your character and true to like honesty and integrity and things like that and true to belief in a product that you're carrying um so as i i mean i have a rep full-time rep in uh in uh Philadelphia that I've been training for a while and I, I have a salesperson in Florida as well um, and I'm looking into reps up in upstate New York and I'm trying to hire those and trying to train those so I get inside their technique and I try to work with them in a way that they can um, perfect themselves and I find the, the honestly the Carnegie principles to, to remain true you know it, it's about letting the other human ego speak letting that person talk about what they're into ask a lot of questions about the bar how long you've been here what, you know and I, I find that if I'm in a sales call for 45 minutes to an hour and a half I'm getting an account. Um, you don't know a bar till you close it. You don't know a bar till you get drunk with them. And those are two things that you have to do as a sales rep if you really want to get steady lines and learn the industry. Well, so. two, two weeks ago, you came out to Jimmy's number 43. <laughs> I had a little injury, so I had black eyes. And My mom might be listening to this, Jimmy. Be careful. <laughs> next thing you know, Johnny had his friend put black eye makeup on, and we had a raccoon club, and yeah. we had fun. Exactly. So you, 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 live, you walk the talk, right? Yeah, you have to yeah. make a human connection, and, and you have to make an emotional connection with that human. And you have, to, you have to also be a person who can carry that connection long term, in that you're going to come back, and you're going to remember those moments, and you're going to share those moments together again, and you're also going to build new ones. Awesome. So. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in another segment on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher. Or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. Become a member. We get special member benefits. Uh, Justin Kennedy has a great question for the, the salespeople here. Hey, I was just wondering if you guys ever run out of, uh, of accounts to sell to, like if you ever just kind of saturate the entire market, or if you have, uh, uh, or if you have places you will not sell to, and uh, you can name names if you want to. Great. Go for it. Uh, Caitlin's ready. Go for it. No, to both of them. I think there's endless amounts of places to sell to. Um, 
going back to what you were saying, though, I just want to say also I think a really important part, not just about relationships with the bar owners, is relationships with the product that you're selling. Um, this is my first sales job ever, and I think that the most important part is being passionate and loving what you're selling, not just. I think we both wanted to comment on that. Yeah, you don't you don't need a you don't need a salesperson to sell beer. Um, relationships is everything. Caitlin, we hired her because uh, she's wonderful in her beer knowledge and excitement about it. So. Um, Sometimes it's better to hire somebody that doesn't know what they're doing and just can be trained. It's hard to undo things that, you know, people have their notions. Sometimes you you have to just kind of like go above and beyond. Like you had, tell us about some of the events you worked on for Queens Beer Week or last week you're at the WQXR event. Yeah, that was so much fun. Um, I actually didn't realize how much fun I was going to have. I was telling you, I didn't know how much I loved classical music. Uh, Yeah, of course, going above and beyond. There's no place I'd rather be than working in this industry and meeting the people I get to meet and drinking the beer I get to drink, and I feel very fortunate. Jay? I think the answer to the question that was posed is uh, (laughs) there are millions of people here in New York. Our company is uh, only several months old. We're doing our own self-distribution, and um, uh, we're not going to run out of places to look to sell beer. I mean, there's there's all this radiation of beer going out into neighborhoods that weren't offering these kind of options before and so as the people move into these neighborhoods that are consuming these sort of products establishments will open up and the people will be there to want to feature them and so i think the horizon line is really positive and um and i think you know already established businesses are kind of waking up to several elements of like good craft beer being a part of what they're offering as far as like accounts that I won't sell to, I mean, it's more. It's not so much. I mean, if you don't pay, that's bad. So we can't do that. But on after that, it's more about finding the establishments that are like. The last thing I want to do is go in there and pressure somebody into purchasing product for me and then not having their customers enjoy it. Then it's gathering dust in their establishment, and the product isn't going to be as at peak at peak consumption performance. And then it's like. Okay, there's something wrong with your beer. And it's like there's nothing wrong with our beer; it just wasn't correct fit for here. And so I think, kind of recognizing that out of the gate. Um, and one thing I guess I also feel like too: before I worked for a distributor, and I used to have hundreds of labels to sell, and now I'm working for a manufacturer, and we're selling a few at a time. And so that kind of focus for me is pretty exciting because then I can just kind of really bore into talking about exactly what we're doing and give the timeline about what's going to be coming out from us because we're only a few months old. We haven't decided what our flagship products are. So we're like we're putting them out there and letting people consume them, looking for the feedback in our tasting room and from the from the accounts. And I think it's kind of like a it's a new operation for us. And I think um, it's going to be a lot of fun going forward. But we're not looking to sell beer out of town. We just like anytime soon. Uh, we would rather have this huge population here consume it all for us and kind of just go forward with that path. But you know, there's a, there's a whole cast of characters out there at these accounts. Like, people are... There's all sorts of spots. And like, you're a character, Jimmy. I mean, <laughs> you're awesome. And, you know, you were one of the people, like, when we were, like, lining up what we want to do. Like, where are we going to go first? And you were, like, right at the top of the list. Because, of course, we all have come and done the radio show. And Jesse and Laura knew you. And we just were like, this is, you know, it's really... It's, it's, it's a fun scene. And it's expanding. I guess that's the other element. Like, the neighborhoods are expanding for good beer in New York City, where I'm selling more beer in Queens than I did when I worked for American. You know what I mean? I'm selling more... I didn't do a lot of work in Manhattan, but it's like 
all these spots are continuing to open up and like that's part of their business model so i think the future is pretty bright for what we're all doing i think the answer on the uh, on the distribution side is 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 a very different world you know your breweries are both great, and I've, I've visited the tap rooms, and I've really enjoyed the liquid. Um, our, our, dis- our distributor has been around for, for 30 years now, and we're at the point where we've walked into every door, and there are a lot of grudges out there between, you know, whether it was a rep 10 years ago who accidentally dropped the keg the wrong way or someone didn't pay on time. There's, there's, there's so much that goes into it. Obviously, we need to make sure our reps walk in every door because we have something from all these different countries, whatever it is that this bar can sell. But it's a whole different story when it comes to introducing, oh, I have this new beer. They'll say, I don't work with your company because of this one thing you did to me 10 years ago that I don't even remember what it is, but I'm going to hold it against you. So in the distribution world, it's about um, – and I, I really agree with Johnny when he said that not everyone can be a salesperson. I wholeheartedly agree with that you know everyone can be a relationship builder and that's what it is Uh, i mean being a relationship builder is the key to sales and not everyone can do that it's just the fact of the matter you can train people to be better salespeople. Um, however it's one of those things you either have it or you don't so we're just trying to make sure that our people not only put themselves in the best light to make a sale keep walking in every door and as often as we can convince people that that keg we dropped 10 years ago isn't the worst thing in the world can you please buy our beer and uh, support our business. I have a very extreme niche product in that I'm only making sour beer. I'm only making four brands. Um, So I go after cloth. If an establishment cleans their glasses with cloth, I like to be in them. Um, I go after the culture, the clientele. If they've educated their consumer on what we're doing, there's not a new Rolex every day. So we're launching a prestige brand. We're not at we're not a cheap price point. We're the one you're going to pay for, and uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of effort that goes into these beers. So we have to keep that that there. So we go after the prestige places and you know the James Beard things and everybody is kind of in that that model. Some of those doors have been closed previously by Ski, and I'm going to knock them open. <laughs> but you know I and again if if the buyer doesn't like the liquid. I'm, I'm okay with that. I just say thank you. Thanks for your time. You know, it's not for everybody. Uh, and the last thing, like Jay said, is I don't want the kegs to sit. I don't want the beer to sit. I want, I want things to evolve. I want things to move. Um, our cultures last for three years. Bottles can sit forever on shelves. That's not the problem. The problem is I want people actively involved in the process. I want to educate a consumer. We offer a lot of staff training myself. I do it personally all the time, you know, to get people educated. I mean, I did a staff training at Wegmans in Philadelphia with 10 staff members, and eight of them had never tasted sour beer before that morning, you know. So there's a lot that goes into sour beer. And sour beer to me is all about education, all about knowing what you taste and knowing why you taste it and knowing how, it, how the flavors should affect you. Yeah, so. and then this beer, it's a sour stout. Funky so. Prowler? Tell us about it. Come on. So uh, we had four flagship brands at the gate. One of them was Taste My Place. Taste My Place was like our goose program. Uh, so that's a very limited release, and we're building up to a 3-2, one-year blend, which we're not there yet. So I pulled that out, and I put it in Funky Prowler. Uh, our artist, uh, Keith Griman, is in a band, um, and Nick Apice are from Nice Futures, but he's in a band called Prowler. So we had a lot of fun with the name. We kind of have music theme on the label, and we do like release shows with it, and we pour the Prowler for free, and people come and watch the band play. We have a blast with this, this product. It's a dry Irish sour stout. I love dry Irish stouts, and, you know, I have, I'm so infected right now, I couldn't make a clean beer if I tried. So um, 
we made a we made a dry Irish sour stout called Funky Prowler. Um, it's unique in that like you smell the roast, you smell the coffee, the tobacco, the deep notes of, of the uh, roasted malts themselves. But then it goes into like a black cherry thing, and then it comes back and it finishes dry and stouty. So it's a really fun beer in that it prowls around and it plays with your, your tongue. And uh, I also enjoy like we we really struggle with getting the the, the stout body in the in the beer and getting the mouth feel to be that of a stout and also have the acidity in there because the city will thin out the liquid really hard. So it's a tricky beer to make, but we have a blast with it. Okay, Caitlin and Thomas, so LIC Beer Project. So where would you like, like your fantasy placement for, for some of your beers, where would you like to get your beer in that you're not? could be anything, anywhere. You don't think about those things. Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question because I, I think we're in a lot of the really great places that we want to be. Um, people who want our beer that's we want to have it yeah um going back uh if you're a dick then we're not going to sell you beer (laughs) you know if the beer sits and you treat our product poorly we're not going to sell it to you i mean you guys everybody here is they're so passionate about the thing and you have complete control from the very beginning uh all the way to the to the you know when you send it out the door and if someone's going to you know, not treat it how it should be treated, then, you know, F you. Like, you you don't get to have my beer. So that's who we won't, don't sell to, people who don't respect the product and don't respect what we do. Um, but we'll sell to anybody. Anybody who is excited about it and anybody who wants to drink our beer, happy to give it to you. Great. And then we have one last beer. Johnny, what are you pouring now? Uh, this is Mr. Blueberry. It's... Uh I was trying to make it liquid for the uh, ladies. Not a lot of different names for it. And we ended up... Uh Son of Mr. Blueberry. So the label is a, a, a guy in a boat with a with a girl waving him down, and uh, it's intended to be a boat beer, but it's also cross promoted with wine drinkers. We use all real fruit in it. It's not cheap because of how much blueberries we have to use. We use over a pound per gallon, and uh, but it's uh, it's somehow sweet but dry. That's all I can say about the beer. Is there's magic in these cultures when they advance themselves. When you blend them, when you use different processes, you can get to a really unique place where you have a beer that carries the sweetness of the fruit but also a dryness to it and i'm really proud of the beer and then like jay for you what what's what's a fantasy account you'd love to be in um i want to sell a pock pock you know that joint down oh, on yeah. columbia street i just love eating there and i like their cocktails i mean we haven't really hit on it but we're a distillery as well and so uh, i'd like to have some of our spirits featured down there and the food i mean it's it's, it's hot out there Portland. right now. I want some like, I want some really refreshing food, and like that's what I, I didn't eat there all winter long, and now I'm like it's hot out there. I want to eat that sort of that sort of grub, and like I want some 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 one of our really light beers in there, and then I want some of our booze in there so they can make some cocktails with it. All right. Well, hey, mm. anybody want to say anything else? We're going to close out soon. Caitlin, thanks for uh, inviting everybody out. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, with, and tell us a couple other reps that, that you invited that couldn't come, or you would have invited. Uh, well, my friend Carrie works for Allagash, but she's at Allagash, and I invited Anthony, but I guess from I don't know sure what happened. Yeah, yeah, Anthony's a great guy. We know him from. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually, want to say some of the sales reps that we know in the city worked at beer bars, like Anthony worked at Proletariat, and he's also running the, the tasting room. At other half, and he delivers. So that's another side of it. A lot of the people have have different hats and different jobs. And uh, I poach bartenders all the time. <laughs> yeah, we all have many hats working yeah. in small. It's an incestuous business. And Thomas, what did you do before this job? 
Oh, uh, you're kind of new on the show, yeah. Kind of, yeah. I would. I've been here for two years. I've been with the company uh, a year and a half. Uh, I was in California selling swimming pool stuff. So, like, I sold to contractors and massive business. I sold ten million a year, and much like your steel business, I sold so much. I made so much more money than I do here. Um, He's so good. I want a swimming pool. Well, that's the thing is. I was willing to give that up for something that I like because, I mean, selling to, you know, crotchety old men who build pools for a living sucks. So <laughs> here I am. So who thinks, is is, is, is there a, a schmoozing technique that you need when you're a salesperson or you really think that sales is just natural and you're telling I the let the other ego expand itself and then therefore they appreciate that feeling. Um, you know, and names. Names is the toughest part of this game. If I meet another Mike, it's a bartender or another. I mean, like, there's so many common names in the industry. But if you remember someone's name next time you come in, that's a big part. I like to say the names and keep the names going. Bar people are really real. And I've been in a bunch of sales gigs. And uh, I was taught to be kind of a, a schmoozy guy and kind of a slippery dude. But um, in this industry, it's completely relationship driven. You People sniff that out right away if you're kind of being slimy. Um, so just Remembering names, being nice, asking how their day was, just having holding a conversation is everything. People will buy beer after that. Yeah. And being educated on what you're selling and really excited about it and get them to be as excited as you because we're doing exciting things right now. And if you love beer, if you're a beer buyer, you obviously love beer. So Makeup, Jimmy. Makeup's number one for me. I, mean, I close all my sales by putting raccoon eyes on. You're good. You came out and you had, you had a good time. <laughs> And Jay, tell us when's your next gig for your band. A lot of a lot of beer reps are actually musicians too. Well, Jimmy, at one point you were trying to get us to record the opening sound for your show here. Uh, I don't run with those kids anymore. They're not my friends anymore. I was gonna say I didn't know you were in a band. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I get along with just about everybody. But that'll could, be another show. We'll have all all the guys. Yeah, reps that have bands, you know? I, I just I play at home by myself now. I, I play alone. All right, everybody, we'll go around the room one more time. Say, say your full name and the place you're working at. Uh, my name is Jay Seinhauer. I work at Interbarrel uh, Spirits and Ales in uh, Bushburg, Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> and you make the Bushburg pills that I like. Uh, my name is Keith Sansone. I'm a downtown sales manager for SKI Beer. Johnny Leroy Compton III, uh, owner and yeast guy for Howie Manor Brewing Company. Of course he's the third. <laughs> I knew that about you. Come on. And you used to wrestle with your brothers, and they'd beat you up, right? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. just did it at a bachelor party like three weeks ago. <laughs> I am Caitlin LaLoupe, and I am the Brooklyn Queens rep for LIC Bear Project. And I'm Thomas uh, Desrochers, and I'm the Manhattan rep for LIC Bear Project. I'd say toast to everybody. Well, you know, one more time, I get, to, I get to hang out with you guys and, and meet all good buddies. Johnny's a new friend, and uh, Jay's an old buddy, and uh, yeah. Caitlin and Thomas, thanks so much for coming on. And I'm Jimmy Carboni on Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, intern Hillary Fasten, and our engineer extraordinaire, David Tadashore. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! 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 listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org 
Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.